Some things are just not fair. Am I right, kids? Some things are not fair. Especially if you are a witness to the unfairness right in front of you. Example. One time when we lived in Orlando, there was this excellent group that I wanted to see that was appearing at the House of Blues. I really wanted to see this band and all the tickets at House of Blues are general admission, which I realize as I get older, I have less and less patience for. I want a reserve seat. I want to know where it is. And also at House of Blues, they don't even have any seats. You stand for the entire concert, which seems to be un-American. Well, I wanted to get a good place to stand at the House of Blues for this group that I really wanted to see. And I found out, because I'm a smart guy, that if you eat at the House of Blues restaurant and you save your receipt, they put you in a special line to get in. You see, here's the general line that they'll open up the doors at 7.30 for an 8 o'clock concert for everybody. But if you ate in the restaurant, separate line. So I says to myself, because I'm a smart guy, self, ask your wife to go, go to the restaurant, eat, save your receipt, get in that special line for the concert, which starts at 8 o'clock. Doors open 7.30. So that's what we did. We had to eat anyway. So Vonnie and I went to the House of Blues restaurant before the show. Decent food. Save the receipt. It was just a few feet to walk from the restaurant over to the theater part. It started at 8, so I made sure that I got there extra early, 6.30, which means I got to stand for an hour before they even open the doors, and then I got to stand inside for an hour, and then I got to stand for the entire concert. So I made sure that I wore my Dr. Scholl's Zeno pads in my shoes so that I could stand and not get unhappy. So by the time the concert was going to have started, I would have been standing for an hour and a half in addition then for standing for the whole show. Plus it was Florida, so it was hot. But I didn't mind. Because you see, I had earned my spot. I was fourth in line to the VIP ticket line. Those losers over there in the regular line, they were looking at me with envy. Look at him over there. He's fourth in line. That's right. I got the receipt. That's right. I had the onion loaf. That's right. I had the veggie sandwich. That's right. I had shown up. I had eaten. I had saved the receipt. I had waited in the line, and soon I would be basking in the glow of a great spot down front watching one of my favorite bands of all time play. I had earned my good fortune of being fourth in line in the VIP ticket line. But then I noticed next to me, here's where the plot gets thick, kids, so hang on to mom and dad's hand. I noticed next to me that there was another line. There was a regular loser line. There was a VIP line. And then next to it, there was another line. 
So I says to myself, what's that line for? And I look, and I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was for people that were in wheelchairs or needed extra help. So I thought, I can't argue with somebody in a wheelchair. That wouldn't look good. Who would I be to argue with those folks? I guess I could allow them to go in before me. They were like a VVIP. They were very, very important people. I was just in the very important people. And then you had the regular losers over here. So I says, you know, you know it's okay. Soon someone in a wheelchair showed up in that line, and I thought, welcome to your line. But then I noticed something. And here's the part. Here's what it's all about. They didn't come by themselves. They brought like seven or eight people with them. And I thought, how many people does it take to push your wheelchair? I said, I got no problem with the wheelchair person going in ahead of me. I can probably still outrace them down front for a better, better seat, you see. I got no problem with maybe you bringing one or two friends in with you, but this guy had a posse. This guy had a group of friends with him. He had like five or six people. So I says to myself, that's not fair. They didn't eat in the restaurant and save the receipt. The friends aren't in wheelchairs. They aren't even pushing the guy's wheelchair. They are just friends of the guy in the wheelchair. Let him in first, yes. Let one person to push it in first, yes. But the rest of you, get over here in the loser line unless you got a receipt. Any of you guys got a receipt? Then get over in the loser line. Because I know when something's fair. And I know when something's been earned. And I know when somebody's taking something that they didn't earn. Can I get an amen? And I realized to my chagrin, which is a great word, I had been ripped off by all these people. They had discovered a loophole. They had discovered the friend of the wheelchair get an early ticket, which was even better than the receipt for eating in the restaurant, which was better than the regular loser line. I thought, I wish I knew somebody in a wheelchair. I could have gotten in. Maybe I can get to be friends with this guy before the concert. Hey man, how's it going? Can I come over here in this line with you? Because you're getting in first. You see, sometimes we notice things when they're not fair, and it, and it affects our sensibilities. Somebody gets something they didn't earn. Somebody finds a loophole, a way to get get something that they didn't really deserve. Somebody gets something for free. Somebody didn't pay their way. Somebody gets it half price when they really shouldn't have. You see, our world, our entire world is based on this system of getting what you pay for and nobody gets something for nothing. Yet, we have heard that God's system is exactly the opposite and that in God's system, it's based on grace and you cannot earn your salvation. And that's all well and good. That's cool. We can talk about that here in church. It's very sweet to talk about. But I live in the real world. I live where there are three lines at the House of Blues and I need to get in as soon as I can to see that band. There's no grace line. You earn it. Wheelchair. Receipts. Losers. 
I earn my spot. You see, it's foreign to think about that God has a system. And God judges us and looks at us in a different way than we look at each other. God says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, you guys, you look at people from the outside. I look at the heart, God says. So today, we're going to start this series called The Good, the Bad, and the Gospel to how, how to have assurance in the light of the judgment. The judgment seems to say that we are judged on what we do, and yet grace seems to say that we're saved by grace. We're saved by what God does for us. We can never earn it, yet there's a judgment coming. And so many of us live in this bit of unease, like have we gone too far? Have I done something that God can't forgive? Well, what if I didn't confess every little sin? You know, I don't know when my time is up and there's this judgment coming. And will I found be weighed in the judgment and be found wanting? But I would say that when we reflect and when we understand the bad news of the Gospel, we can be better equipped to understand the good news of the judgment. And perhaps step away from judging and critiquing and laying on others all of our expectations and we find that we could all just breathe easier together and have church be a house of grace. Have church be a grace place. Have church be a grace space. And then just go, ah. It's like after Thanksgiving. You know, you undo the top of your pants, you let it out a loop or whatever. Wear sweatpants. Don't even mess around with it. Just wear sweats. Just go, ah. There's something to be said for just feeling this sense of it's, it's okay. It's good. And as we seek to understand more of God's way of seeing things, there's a scripture, there's a story which is quite bizarre in itself, really, if you think about it. And I'm hoping you'll think about it, because we're going to look at it today. We're going to read a fair amount of scripture today. Is that alright to read my Bible in church? So if you could turn to Matthew chapter 20, and it will bring us face to face with the bad news of the gospel. And then you might understand that what you think is the bad news of the gospel is really the good news for you. As my friend Juliver said, when you found it, can you say amen? Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading a, uh, but don't close it after we read that because we're going to read a bit more. I'm reading an English, new English Standard Version today. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, which mine has a footnote, which says that that is a day's wage for a laborer. So in other words, that was how much you would make at that time, a denarius or denarius. Let's say it's like, $100. So the guy's saying, I'll give you $100 if you'll go out and work for me in my vineyard. And they're like, cool, I'm not doing anything. 
So after agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So now these people have been out early in the morning. So let's say that's 6 a.m. And going out about the third hour, that's 9 a.m. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So those, he didn't tell them how much they would make. He just said whatever is right. So now you got some people working since 6 a.m. Now you got more people working since 9 a.m. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour. That's noon. This guy's going out looking for more and more people to work in the vineyard. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. That's 3 p.m. He did the same thing. He goes out and he says, I'll pay you whatever's right. He didn't tell him what, how much it would be. <clears throat> and about the eleventh hour, that's 5 p.m., about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? That's a good question. They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. So now this vineyard owner has got guys that have been working there since 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and let's say that quitting time is 6 p.m. So imagine these guys hired at 5 p.m., with only one hour, that's my kind of work shift. Just that one hour, just a chance to get loose. Even if you just hung out in the vineyard and stole some grapes and ate them as you are working, it's better than just standing around on the corner with nothing to do all day. They got a free ride in the guy's truck out to the vineyard. They worked for an hour, they got some grapes, they maybe high-fived some of their buddies, maybe they met some new people. They're networking. Now look at verse 8. And when evening came, now it's 6 p.m., it's closing time. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages. That's good. At the end of the day, he's paying the wages. Beginning with the last up to the first. So now the vineyard owner says to the foreman, I'm going to pay everybody. But rather than start with the people that got there at 6 a.m., I want to start with the people who got there at 5 p.m. He does this on purpose. So he says, line up. If you got here at 5 p.m., get in line first. That doesn't seem right. And now you got these guys who've been working since 6 a.m. way at the end of the line. Maybe there's 100 people. I don't know. They're at the end of the line after working a long shift. It's a sign of trouble. People gotten up before sunrise, eating a light breakfast if they had anything, hurried down to the corner to wait to be picked up to go to the vineyard. They work for 12 hours. They're hot. They're dusty. They're anxious to get home. They're anxious to shower. Maybe they're going to come back again tomorrow. They want to give some attention to the kids, and they're going to probably fall asleep in front of the TV like half the guys in the world. And now, instead of getting paid really quick and getting out of their ASAP as possible... They had to stand and wait while the miserable one-hour workers get paid first. Now, it seems to me that I could say right here, that's not fair. This is like the House of Blues all over again, my friends. Only there's one line and nobody's got a receipt and the people who've been working one hour are in the very beginning of the line. Verse 9. And those... And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. 
Each of them got the $100 for working all day that they had agreed to the first guys had agreed to work for $100 or denarius for the whole day. These guys worked for one hour. And they got the same thing. Who'd like to work one hour and make $100? Mm-hmm. Now, I, now you guys are getting all Pentecostal on me. That's right. Raising those hands. I'd work for... Thank you, my friend. I would work for one hour in a vineyard for $100. Well, suddenly things seem to be getting rather promising. The guys in the front of the line, they go up expecting, because he said, I'll, I'll pay you what's right. He never said what it would be. They go up expecting maybe $10, $20, $5, and instead the guy gives them $100, or dinars. I'm calling it $100. And so they might think, this guy is either really stupid and he doesn't know how to count money, or he's incredibly generous, and he's, and he's just super happy with the work we did today, and maybe he gave me 100, and maybe by the time he gets to this guy's end, he's going to give them 500 or 200, or you know, who knows? This guy is nuts. He's, he's, he's working on a system none of us are even working on here. This vineyard owner, we got to get to know this guy. I'm going to come back tomorrow and work one hour and see what he does then too. I'm going to, I'm going to hide till 5 o'clock and then go stand on the corner see if he'll hire me again. Verse 10. Now when those hired first came, so these are the guys who have been there since 6 a.m. When they finally made it to the beginning of the line. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more because probably everybody had been going, yeah, look at yeah. They saw as the line was getting shorter that these people were all making the same, they're all making $100. They must think, well, we've been here 12 hours. Come on, he's going to give us at least, dare I say, 12 times the amount. If he gave them 100 for one hour, then maybe he'll give me 12 times. Maybe he'll give me 12 denarius, maybe. Maybe he'll at least give me two. And they get up to the front of the line and they get one. One denarius. They get exactly what they had bargained for at the beginning of the day. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more and each of them also received a denarius. So is that good news? Or is that bad news? If the vineyard owner had only paid the 12-hour people first, they would have left and never had known what the one-hour people got. But for some reason, the vineyard owner wanted them to see that he was giving everybody the exact same thing. And so the 12-hour workers were naturally upset, like I was in the House of Blues. I claim that righteous indignation for my line. See, sometimes we like to be justified in our anger. Well, I should be. Well, I've never. Well, maybe you should have. Verse 11 through 16. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. Come on, preacher. Somebody's grumbling here. Saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them. Check out what he called him. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you 
and vamanos, go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not, check out this verse, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. He says, take what belongs to you and go. These men were ready to head on down to their their shop steward at the union or or to call their HR representative or to call the Better Business Bureau and say, you got this wild vineyard owner out here who's given everybody the same thing, whether they work 12 hours or one hour or three hours or nine hours. He's given everybody the same thing. That's not fair. Now, if you don't think that the vineyard owner is a troublemaker, then maybe it has dawned on you that Jesus is sharing this parable to get the people to realize that God's system of right and wrong and wages and gifts and generosity may look strange to us compared to the systems of the world that we're used to. In our world, you earn what you work for. At your job, your paycheck reflects your work. In school, you earn what you studied and did. Everything is based on a system of merit. You get what you earn and you earn what you get. As my, one of my lady singers from the 70s said, Donna Summers, she works hard for the money. So hard for the money. So hard for the money that you better treat her right. She worked hard. She wanted her money. That's the way of the world, isn't it? Donna knew that. That's why she sang about it. That's why she sang so loud. She wanted you to know. You work hard, you get paid. Not this system of grace, of getting something you didn't deserve. From the cradle on up, each one of us has had to live with the system of merit. The system has permeated our society And no wonder and no surprise that it has permeated the church. You see, it's a fact that none of us can ever be worthy of God's grace. It is the truth that none of us can ever earn or merit God's favor. That's the bad news of the Gospel. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. That's why Paul said, who then can save us from this bondage of death? Because he knew that was bad news. You see, it's a symptom of the human condition that we want to be worthy and we want to earn that worthiness. When we have toiled through the heat of the day and then we see that those who came in at the last hour received a reward equal to ours, we find that a little hard to take. The message that we can never be saved in any way on the basis of our own works can be bad news to the one who is used to paying their entire way and is very good at earning the things that they want and getting them and earning what they merit and meriting what they earn. The message of grace is foreign to them. Perhaps it is bad news. But it's the foundation of God's 
economy, he said as he slowly drank water. God is on the gift system, 100%. You cannot earn your way to heaven. I'm not sure if my mic cut out there because that was like a really simple but profound line. So I'm going to repeat it. You cannot earn your way to heaven. So was there any benefit at all, he cried out, for the 12-hour workers if the one-hour workers and the 12-hour workers all receive the same thing, then what you should be thinking about as you reflect on this parable is, was there any advantage to having worked 12 hours in the vineyard compared to hiding behind the, the, the soda machine at the 7-Eleven and then coming out at 5 p.m. when you see the guy come around one more time? Hey, I'll work. Was there any advantage to the people that worked all day? Was there anything in that the 12-hour workers received that the one-hour workers did not receive? You see, this is the profoundness of struggling with the Gospel message for you and I. Because you might say, well, I go to church. You see, now you're trying to earn your merit. I, I go to church. I, I don't do this. I don't do that. I, I toss a few dollars at the kids when they come around if they smile real nice. I try not to cuss very much, darn it. And, and uh, once I helped a little old lady across the street. You see, you're trying to earn it by making a list in your mind. The reward that the all-day workers received was that they received the privilege of working all day in the vineyard. The work itself was its own reward. To work shoulder to shoulder with the vineyard owner. To have stood by him and talked to him and been with him and done his work for 12 hours is the reward compared to the guys who for 11 hours, who knew what they were doing? Playing video games all day. And then finally about 5 p.m. they wander down to the 7-Eleven to get a soda. And this guy says, you want to work for an hour? Yeah, sure. These guys wasted 11 hours of doing whatever it was they were doing where these other guys had 12 hours of working shoulder to shoulder, sweating out in the vineyard with the vineyard owner. That's the privilege. You see, it's not necessary to wait to the end of the day for the reward. The reward comes from working throughout the day with the vineyard owner. So what many of us do is, and I've heard it said so many hundreds of zillions of times, we think the reward is heaven. That's not the reward. That's icing on the cake of the reward of living and working with God day by day. Three things I pray. To see thee more clearly. To love thee more dearly. And to follow thee more nearly. Day by day. Anybody see God spell? DC talk? Do I need to have a music seminar with you guys? Oh my goodness. All right, six weeks in the fellowship hall. Rhonda, when you're done, we're going in there for a music seminar. We got one week on rock, one week on country, one week on reggaeton, one week on I don't know. 
You see, we set up heaven as this reward. I want to run and play with the tiger. I want to swim with the dolphins. And so people are miserable sometimes living down here on this life trying to make sure they do everything or do enough so that they're not so bad or that they're good enough to get there. Honestly, I don't care if I ever get there. If I don't enjoy Him here, why would I want to enjoy Him there? I wouldn't enjoy Him there if I don't enjoy Him here. So put me out in the vineyard. Even me. I like to work up a good sweat. I'll just stand around a lot and make sure, you know, the, the key is to keep moving. Like, hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can help over here. What? You need me? Okay, I'll, yeah, yeah. What? What? Can you guys help with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, here's some more guys. So let me show you what you're going to do. Now, you're going to work over here. And you're going to do the, what? What's that over here? You see, I'm moving, I'm moving. But I'm not really doing anything. That's the way, that's the key. Get out there, sweat, do some work for the Lord. If you know a vital relationship with Jesus, if you know God as it is your privilege to know Him, then the primary focus is not on the reward at the end of the day. Your primary focus is on the joy of fellowship and the service with Him right now. I got a song, I'm going to write it. It says, what a fellowship. What a joy divine. Working in the... I'm working on that one. Or this one. As you walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory you shed on the way. You see? Now the challenge could be that you might agree with me that the reward is not there, the reward is here. And yet you say, but I don't feel that relationship here. So that's what you should be working on. That's what you should be trying to do is connect to the Lord so you live your life in, with joy, that you live your life in a vital relationship. You fight for it. If that means setting aside time to read your Bible or setting aside time to pray or denying yourself certain things or doing certain things that you didn't do before or getting out and serving other people, you create a, an atmosphere and you create a system where you can develop yourself spiritually. If you wanted to get in shape, you would exercise. If you wanted to get good grades, you would study. If you want to know the Lord more, you've got to do something. You're not saved by doing it, but that's how you get there. Reading, praying, connecting, serving, denying yourself, serving others instead of Him. Or serving Him and others instead of yourself. And if God calls you to some hard place of service, then you go willingly because that's where He has called you to go. So I invite you today to enter the joy of working side by side with the vineyard owner in his vineyard. Yes, it can be hot. Yes, you might cut your hands picking the grapes. Yes, your back might be sore. Yes, you might be working next to an obnoxious, annoying person who talks too much when all you want to do is work. Yes, it can be tiring. Yes, it can be messy. Yes, it can be time-consuming. But there is no greater joy than working side by side with the Lord and sharing the good news of the coming King. And let your heart be transformed so that you can understand a bit this system of grace that God has created the world on. And if we accept and learn and realize that grace is free, that salvation is free, it's offered to us free, then we can find that the bad news of the Gospel, which is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, is really good news because the gift of God is eternal life. Sing in that song, it says, I found a friend. And then in our parable, 
when the vineyard owner was talking to the angry people, he says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. So even the people that disagreed with him or were mad at him, he still called them friend. And Jesus says in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. So it's nice to think about that that's how God feels about you. Not only are you his son or his daughter, his child, but he calls you friend. That's a wonderful privilege. No matter where you are, he calls you friend. So live this week like you are a friend of God. Live with joy and realize that those around you might be looking to you as an example of how a Christian should be. Bless you this week. Bless our town, our country. May every hurricane be turned aside in the name of Jesus. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessings. May the people in the Bahamas, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, on up the coast, Lord, we pray that somehow this natural um, disaster coming out of us at us can be turned with your mighty hand, or you could probably do it with your pinky, you could do it. So we pray that you would do that. Like Jesus said, peace be still. We claim that promise that the one who calms the seas can turn aside a hurricane. Bless us, Lord, to keep us safe. Thank you for calling us friend. We pray in your name. Amen.